Write that. Write that down, Fumi Saito. <laughs> oh, hello. From Burbank, California. We're back. New episode for you this week. Eventful weekend, both Fumi's son and I had this past weekend. Did you see Pro Wrestling Noah's Yokohama Arena event this weekend? Did you see Bye Bye Muta? If you saw it, you saw Jinsei Shinzaki or Hakushi, who's the subject of our episode today. We didn't talk about it in the air, actually, but what I realized after we finished talking was this guy, Jinsei Shinzaki, Hakushi, he never won an important single match, singles match, excuse me, you know what I mean? He never won a big singles championship. He never had that... We never had that moment. And still we're talking about him, and still we remember all of his big moments. Hakushi didn't wrestle as much as a lot of the wrestlers that we talk about often on this show. And he was just as important behind the scenes as he was in the ring. Maybe more important backstage as we come to learn in this episode from being a part of Jack, J-A-C, Sonny Chiba's acting stuntman union to the early days UWA Japan, Michinoka Pro, Lucha Pro Wrestling combination, the early hybrid. He was a part of that. He was a part of WWF. Very interesting time. And we talked a lot about the WWF Mania Tour that was in Japan in 94, which is very interesting. And if you go on YouTube or Daily Motion, you might be able to check some of those bouts out that we talk about. This guy's very interesting. Yeah, and again, we saw him, and I think he was the MVP of the match this weekend with him and Akira and Naomichimura Fuji taking on Sting and Darby Allen and Great Muta. And we talked about why he's special, why he's different and important. And a lot of what makes him unique is what he has done and who he is out of the ring. Mentoring Kano. Starting Tokushima Ramen. Helping start Sendai Girls. Teaching a stretching class for old folks. Who is this guy? Sakushi. Shinsei We talk about him today. Before we get into all of that, please subscribe to the Fight Game Media Network podcast feed on Spotify or Apple, wherever you're listening to your podcast. It helps us very much. Very much. Please enjoy this week's episode. We'll be back next week. Brand new episode. Lots of exciting things happening in the next month or so. We'll have some nice announcements for you. Until then, enjoy today's episode talking about Hakushi Jinsei Shinzaki. And we're going to come into a conversation from Sean and I had talking about the mid-90s. Let's get started. 
the, but at the, around the, around the time now in Japan, Japanese um, uh, wrestling fans weren't so interested in American wrestling scene. That hurt too. I was making all, all, you know, American pages every week, week in, week out for weekly pro wrestling, Shukan Pro Wrestling Magazine every week. Mm. And I had almost had to fight to get the pages, you know, because it's like, well, nobody wants to read that. So, yeah, 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 they do too, you know. It, it, was, it, uh, it was a time when New Japan and All Japan were much hotter than WWF at the time. Wrestling at yeah, mid-90s was low point. Right. Uh, but if the, you know if you give Japanese audience a chance to watch uh, Monday Night Raw or Monday Nitro for that matter, uh, the cable TV, the Sky Perfect TV, the you know satellite TV started like in '97, '98. People started catching up. Then pretty soon they were you know Japanese audience were watching Stone Cold and Rock pretty soon. But it was like a gap that the, while Shinzaki was working WWF, Japanese fans weren't paying all that much attention. Uh, about American pro wrestling. Yeah. And NWO felt closer because there was a more link with WCW and New Japan and Chono, NWO member going back and forth and back and forth with the same logo, NWO, in, NWO Japan and NWO in America. And it just felt a little closer than uh, far away WWF. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, there, there was a, a connection between, uh, you know, there was NWA title there for a little bit. Uh, there was always mm-hmm. a little bit of familiarity. There was the Fujinami Flare match a couple of years before. It wasn't too, yeah. it, like you said, it was a little bit familiar. Yeah, yeah. Fans, oh, would, was, fans would say, Fujinami oh, I know these guys. Flare match in Florida, St. Petersburg. Mm-hmm. That, uh, was that a great, fr- what was the name of the show? That uh, Brawl, Brawl. Brawl for All? Super Brawl, yeah. Super Brawl. Oh, in, oh, yeah. in the Tokyo Dome. And uh, three months after that, uh, back to Florida, Flair against Fujinami one more time in Florida. Yeah. And uh, but so WCW and New Japan had a working relationship, so Japanese fans thought that the WCW was a little closer than uh, you know Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels at the time. But Shinzaki was the one who was in that package. Yeah. But the, he came back in 96 and went right back to Michinoku Pro Wrestling. But uh, 96, now we're talking about the Tokyo Dome match that the, you, you know, went back and watched. Great Muta against Hakushi at the Tokyo Dome. That's right. That was the original you know, like sequence of what, what we just witnessed last week. Sure. Yeah, yeah was, I think... Yeah. Some things were transposed, like a you know, going back and watching the the Tokyo Dome match again, you see Great Muta knock Jinsations or Hakushi off the apron onto the table. He flew onto the table. Yeah. yeah, we saw it one more time, but this time Sting did it. Yeah, this weekend. Yeah, uh, Great Muta is very careful about you know these spots. If you, okay, it's about the match. Great Muta and Shinsuke Nakamura in January 1st. There was a few spots that that uh, Great Muta against Antonio Inoki, that Inoki's, you know, giving sleeper hold on apron on, 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 onto Great Muta. Mm. Shinsuke Nakamura did the exact same spot. 
mm-hmm. during the match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, this is a, they are teasing how people, you know, remember. Well, if you don't remember any of that from like 20 years ago, 25 years ago, it's just just that. It's new, you know, you can still watch that. But if you remember old matches from 20, 25 years ago, that there's like, whoa, I've seen this one. Oh my gosh. You know, like it's almost like a sequel. It really, you know, stimulate your like memory lane. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Very unique uh, character, especially Hakushi. Yeah, and then Hak- very first Hakushi match, if you remember, he, he juiced, right? And um, with this, oh, the Tokyo Dome match. Lots. And, it was just yeah. uh, all over the place. And Muto, Muta's great Muta paint used, was coming off. Yeah, yeah the great Muta used Shin, the Hakushi's blood. He spelled death with blood on, on a piece of wood, you know, the, the graveyard woods, you know. That was death. And this time at the Yokohama Arena, same scene, almost kind of sequel, right? He used, he used his pointing finger you know, from the forehead of Hakushi and spelled it the end, like 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 your scary movie. Mm. Yeah. So it was very interesting that if you knew both matches, you get a lot more out of it. Or you, of course, you can watch that match alone. You know, this Yokohama match, it was really, really... You know, very spectacular, right? Yeah, over the top. Everything was yeah. pretty over the top. Yeah, and they made sure that every every matchup was made. You know, Maru Fuji and Sting a little bit. That was but, nice, uh, yeah. Yeah, and even Akira and Muta and the Derby Allen's introduction to Japanese fans. So he did uh, his signature moves. And uh, it wasn't even, I mean, if you think about Great Muta and Sting and third member of the team, is like, who is that, right? But uh, he did real well f- as a, uh, for a newcomer, I think. He skateboarded down the ramp. That was good. That was mm-hmm. good, like a today's kid, yeah. And it said bye-bye on a skateboard. Yeah, he did. That was the whole theme. Great Muta's paint on the face said bye-bye too. So it was just the whole theme was just right, right there, and it was uh, it was pretty much first time in years and years that the Jinsei did this Hakushi gimmick, and he came back with this new brand new costume to be just basic Buddhist costume, right? You know, like you're a Japanese myth. This um, Jinsei's Henro thing actually goes back to like 1,200 years, you know, as a, as a Japanese legend, you know, the, the Kukai, the Buddhist monk that goes to 88 spiritual place within Shikoku and you are the program traveling there. And uh, Shinzaki makes each stop. I mean, Hakushi makes stop. Mm-hmm. And that was like one of the stops that he made this time. Does that make any sense? It's a, it's an esoteric idea to Judeo-Christian West, but I think it's making right. sense. Yes. No, it's very interesting because um, a lot of the nuance about the Hakushi character, it's it's hard mm-hmm. to, to just blurt out and explain. It's not it's not so clear. It doesn't have to be completely understood for pro wrestling. That's yeah, but he's not a ghost. He's a, yeah. the actual pilgrim character. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, so this, if you know more about it, you know, you get more out of it. Yeah. And all the, this kanji writing on his whole body. 
if you had to sum up what that said for people that didn't know, what would you say? Oh, it's like a you know, Bible writing, you know, the dokyo. Yeah. Kind of like, like a scripture. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like initially when he went to uh, WWE back in 95, people thought it was actual tattoo all over his face and body. Mm. Yeah. There had been nothing like that. Uh, the, there was never a character that looked quite like that. Uh, that uh, Matt Bloom did it a little bit, you know. He did uh, it later. Tensai. Yeah, yeah, very similar, right? It's a sticker. <laughs> sticker tattoo. But uh, those kanji writing on your body, yeah. I think Matt Bloom's are a lot of those were real too. Oh, but he yeah, he did have the the the, the white angel style uh, stick on on his face and such, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. short lived, but uh, they kind of tried the same character, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, but this you know, it was it had to be Hakushi who you know who had to be in this great the final match. I mean, like a closing chapter of great muta very clear very clear yeah. uh, clear message to everyone it's over yeah for keiji muto you know keiji muto the wrestler and great muta the character two different person right so very different a, yeah it was a final night for great muta character yeah you had to have sting in there yeah you had to have marufuji in there you had to have hakushi in there you had to have akira in there Pretty much made a lot of sense. And I think for a, most of the people that took part in the match, including Sting, Muta, Akira, Hakushi, and outside the ring, Great Kabuki, I think this might have been the last appearance for a lot of those guys as the. I guess. Yeah, was obviously, yeah it's ob- obviously, it's Stinger's last appearance in Japan. Mm-hmm. You probably won't be making more tours, mm-hmm. right? Great, great Kabuki said, if it was end of end of Great Kabuki, Great Muta, that would be the end of Great Kabuki too. Mm. He wouldn't come into the ring and do the nunchucks anymore. And mm. the mist, going the mist thing. Yeah, and Akira won't be doing Akira character either. Mm. Oh, I guess. Yeah, kind of like that a was- grand finale for a lot of these guys, in some ways. This meeting is being recorded. Are you there? Oh, yeah. Did, uh, did I lose it? I think something just uh, disconnected uh, and connected. Just about half a second, yes. Okay, all good. Okay. Well, I'm good, yeah. Anyhow, so that's right. That was the final appearance of Great Muta, final appearance of Sting, final appearance of original Great Kabuki. And, uh, yeah, probably it was the last time, you know, Shinzaki doing Hakushi then. Hmm. No reason to become Hakushi if right. it wasn't for Great Muta. Yeah. For... Tonight we're talking about Hakushi and you know the wrestler and the promoter, the pr- producer, uh, Jinsei Shinzaki. Yeah, actually, he and Grace Sasuke have been running Michinoku Pro Wrestling over a good, better part of 20 years. That uh, back in 2003, when Grace Sasuke went to pub, you know to run for public office in Iwate Prefecture, and uh, he won the election and. Uh, it was uh, spring of 2003, Jinsei Shinzaki took over the company as a president. I mean, real, real president of Michinoku Pro Wrestling. I mean, never retired. It was uh, interesting that uh, it's in English-speaking world, American fans, is that, is that the same Hakushi, right? I thought he was retired, something like that, right? Sure. 
Yeah, but uh, he's been running uh, Michinoku Pro Wrestling without retiring as an active wrestler all this time. And 2003, he became president of Michinoku Pro Wrestling. In 2005, he formed Sendai Girls Pro Wrestling with Meiko Satomura. Huh. Yeah, little, little, yeah, it's, it's not known that uh, he had this vision. Gaia Girls, you know, Chikusa Nagayo's Gaia Girls company, mm-hmm. they closed out, you know, closed up shop, you know, like basically stopped running, you know, wrestling company. It was just, that was the end of Gaia Girls, April of 2005. And Shinzaki, you know, was seeing something in Satomura, like, went, to, went to talk to her, he's like, what are you going to do after this Gaia Japan? Like, and she thought she was going to go in America and go to school or something. And she had no plan. And uh, Meiko Satomura, as you see today, she is not the kind of wrestler working under somebody. No. She's no. a leader. You know what I'm saying? Clearly. If, yeah. If anybody be running a new company or training new wrestler or to start a new brand new company, that Satomura. And Satomura and Shinzaki got together and formed Sendai Girls Pro Wrestling in 2005 as a part of Michinoku Project Company. Isn't that interesting? Mm. That's why it's Sendai Girls uh, based in Miyagi Prefecture, Sendai, way up north. Just the sister company of Michinoku Pro Wrestling, running the same area. And it was the Satomura's vision that she would not get help from existing wrestlers. Just Satomura and everybody else's rookie. She'll train rookie from scratch and debut them uh, for Sendai Girls. It was a very, very interesting way to start. Because when you start independent company or new company, several of you know your, your top position come from someplace else, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, like with the wrestlers who worked elsewhere. But it was Satomura and Shinzaki's vision that the only name wrestler would be Meiko Satomura and everybody else would be rookie. And that, that worked. That the red top and bottom, Sendai girls. And it was that the place like rookie against Dynamite Kanzai, rookie against Aja Kong, rookie against Mariko Yoshida, rookie against uh, like. Kyoko Inoue or something like that. It, it's just like, wow, everything is like a challenge, challenge, challenge. It, it really worked. And I used to go Sendai just to attend their card. Yeah. I mean, took bullet train to just to go Sendai girls match. And now that the Sendai girls, you know, 17 years later, you have like a people like um, Chihiro Hashimoto. And, you oh, know what yeah. I'm saying? One of yeah. my favorites. She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. She even appeared yeah. on some of the men's shows late last year. And mm-hmm, all Japan. Mm-hmm. And she was an amateur wrestling champion. Yeah, one of the best in Japan. Yeah. Mm-hmm, Still mm-hmm. trains every day. Yep, yep. So Satomura method of training and running company and running dojo is still there. And it's very interesting. that uh, Well, now that uh, Meiko Satomura herself is traveling all over the world, and uh, basically uh, Chihiro Hashimoto took over the dojo side of the business and the second, third generations of wrestlers, you know, uh, with Sendai Girls. But the Sendai Girl is another company that has home base up in Sendai. Isn't that interesting? So when it started out, was it 
just a part of Michinoku Pro, or was it its own promotion from the get-go? How did that? Our uh, own promotion, but the parent company was called Michinoku Project. Uh, uh, right. Michinoku, okay. Yeah. The company entity is called Michinoku Project, and Michinoku Michinok Project ran the men's side Michinoku Pro Wrestling and women's division uh, Sendai Girls. It eventually became two separate, you know, stock and two separate company now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when at the same time that Shinzaki started, you know, running his ramen franchise and uh, Tokushima Ramen, he has like a three restaurant now. And now he's doing, uh, uh, it's called Kiroi Takoyaki. It's a takoyaki with curry sauce. <laughs> you have to explain that to English speaking world. It's like, a, like black. <laughs> but or... takoyaki is like a round thing, you know? With... Yeah, so a takoyaki is like a squid. Ball. Yeah, well, it's like an octopus. Like a, or excuse me, octopus ball. Squid yeah, is ika. Yeah. That's different. Right. Uh, uh, takoyaki's taco is uh, octopus. Like, you know, kind of octopus. Yeah, right. Octopus ball yeah. with uh, it's kind of curry a, sauce on top of it. Curry sauce and uh, the fish flakes and uh, yeah, something like that. Right. So batter. And, right, and and the that the Shinzaki's team drives the truck. Around you know like a wrestling building or the right in front of the train station and sells it. Yeah, it's a real a great example of kind of street food or when you go to a yeah, sports yeah. game or soul food. A, yeah. yeah, like you're at the picnic and you go over to the vendor and there's always you know takoyaki or <laughs> okonomiyaki or okonomiyaki, yes or yeah something like that. Then also runs ramen from like Tokushima ramen from mm-hmm. like his hometown Tokushima he franchised that up in, up north so he runs ramen house and the takoyaki house and wrestling company wow as an entrepreneur <laughs> never retired, ne- never retired. Doesn't, he, he was when did he start the uh, restaurants oh right around the same time that he took over company because he needed uh, more of a cash flow Mm. That uh, Michinoku, I told you about this, you know, like up north, that the, during snow season, you could only run so many shows in December and January. That's right. That's why Michinoku during January and February, they go down south like Kyushu Island and joint, you know, have, have joint shows, Kyushu's independent company and run their house shows. Hmm. Or come to Tokyo uh, twice a year and run their precious Korakuen premier shows. June and December every year. Hmm. And also Michinoku Pro Wrestling became the place where um, Toriumon graduate from Mexico, you know, Ultimate Dragon Wrestling School. Mm-hmm. They graduate like a, like a younger wrestler who could either go to, you know, New Japan or All Japan or Pro Wrestling nor but some wrestlers choose to be with Michinoku Pro Wrestling. Yapeman 1, Yapeman 2, the, you know, the... the the wrestlers they have now, that is basically most of them come from Ultimo Dragons, uh, the Tori Mon School in Mexico. Mm. Yeah. You see, yeah, people like Taiji Ishimori were signed with Pro Wrestling Noah in New Japan. And a lot of them uh, that the Tori Mon graduate would work Dragon Gate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but some guys choose Michinoku Pro Wrestling and they're there to stay. Is, uh, isn't that where Keno started? Ken O is actual protege of Shinzaki from Tokushima, that uh, hometown. So yeah. there's a pretty deep uh, connection between those two. 
oh, actual protege that、mm. uh, Ken O came to Shinzaki. He wanted to be a pro wrestler. Ken O actually is national、um, Kenpo Karate champion. Yeah, he was the youngest champion at the time, like 23、yeah. years old. And he didn't want to work. You know, go to established group that he went straight to his hometown hero, Shinzaki, and want to be a wrestler. And、mm. Shinzaki had this method that you, you, you can debut Ken O right there, but、uh, Shinzaki had this idea that、uh, you don't want to start Ken O in the first match guy, right?、Mm-hmm. So he sent Ken O into Super Dolphins Okinawa Pro Wrestling for one year under the mask. You know, people didn't know about it because what happened to Ken O, right? He announced that he's, you know, joining up and signed with Michinok. All, all of a sudden, he's gone. Actually, Shinzaki sent young Ken O to Super Dolphins Okinawa Pro Wrestling. At the time, in that way down in Okinawa, Super Dolphin was running 300 shows a year, every day, same place. So when he came back one year later, he already had 300 matches under his different identity. And he was ready to be put in the, in the main event spot. Then, a few years later, Ken O asked Shinzaki, I want to work pro wrestling in Noah. Okay, I'll, I'll set up this for you. And、uh, yeah, basically, Jin, Shinzaki negotiated with pro wrestling in Noah so he can, Ken O can join. So he's, yeah, the Ken O has been with pro wrestling in Noah the past, what, seven years or so now?、Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, right. The strong connection. It's not an interesting method to send rookie to,、uh, at the time, Okinawa Pro Wrestling. You know, then nobody knew where he was because he was wearing a mask, had a different identity, and had a, you know, the, the typical Japanese Lucha Libre style match, you know, night in, night out for 300 nights. And you already had 300, 300 matches under, under your belt.、And、then came back as a good worker. Interesting, huh? It's kind of like a mini excursion. Yeah, yeah, because people don't really follow like match result of Okinawa Pro Wrestling, right? At the time when Ken O was、um, with Okinawa Pro Wrestling, then active Kyoko Kimura was there too,、mm-hmm. under mask. Yeah, and also eighth grade Hana Kimura doing a local teen idol too. Plus, you know, Okinawa is almost, almost like a different country. Hawaii, going to Hawaii, huh? Right? It's, it's almost like you're, you're in a different kind of world. Country. Yeah, because 70% of the landscape is like、um, US based. Right. There's a lot of US franchises there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and Okinawa and Naha and、uh, the, the big US base with, what, 150,000 soldiers there. Yeah. So that's like we have to have, you know, study the real history of it. You know what I'm saying?、Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So Okinawa is Japan, but it has a real mixed culture, you know. And up until 50 years ago, they were driving right hand side road too, using dollar too, US dollar. Yeah. It's like an extended American base or. or... Yeah, Amer- and then Okinawa, land. yeah, because Okinawa didn't become part of Japan until 1972. Mm, mm. Yeah. So going there is, it's not quite going to a different country, but it's, it's definitely、Almost. going、and、somewhere to get different yeah, kind of after, experience. Yeah, after Super Dolphin quit, 
quit um, Michinoku Pro Wrestling. He ran Osaka Pro Wrestling for you know five six years. Then he moved to Okinawa and started Okinawa Pro Wrestling with Okinawa characters, like in in the right in International Avenue was a tourist spot, and you know running wrestling show every night Monday through Friday Saturday, and had like three hundred shows a year. It's a great place to for a rookie to learn, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, and but it wasn't really acknowledged. And it wasn't like really publicized that the Ken Wall under the mask was working in Okinawa Pro Wrestling. But when he came back to Michinoku Pro Wrestling, had a you know real strong title match program against Fujita Junior Hayato. That uh, it was like Ken Wall was ready to become some big star. Yeah. Mm. Mm. But that was Shinzaki's vision. So he made Ken Wall, huh? And he made. Basically, Meiko Satomura Sendai uh, Sendai Girls Pro Wrestling, and these two things hasn't been really acknowledged. Yeah, he's always been, I guess, not always, but since um, you know 2003 or when he started doing more behind the scenes stuff, he's been more of a behind the scenes character. He's been active, but he he hasn't been out in front of the camera or anything. Uh, he never retired, and he still work matches for Michinoku mm-hmm. uh, regular house shows, though. But he will never put himself in the main event, right? Right. They have and... their, you know, Tohoku Junior Heavyweight Champion wrestlers like Musashi and all those guys. Yeah, like generations young. I mean, like twenty years younger than Shinzaki, right? Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people talk about after seeing his match this week, and they say, "Wow, he looks the same as he did thirty yeah, years exactly ago." Exactly the same. Good his body's shape. Body's the same. Fifty-six years old. Yeah, yeah, right. So like people thought, is that the same Hakushi from 1996? Right. Yeah, it, it is. is. Yeah. So so it's interesting that uh, I'm glad that this is our opportunity to talk about you know Jinsei's legacy. Yeah, because it hasn't been talked about all that much. Because Michinoku Pro Wrestling is not based in Tokyo, mm-hmm. but there but- are companies out you know exist. Yeah. He really made an impact whenever he appeared somewhere. Even he, only what a couple appearances with New Japan, couple, yeah, sh- pretty short time with WWF, um, and not always an active. He's been active, but he's you know part time, and he's just not been in the ring so much. But every time he shows up, it's always something people talk about. Well, he still works basically full time, no. But it's mm-hmm. not like your New Japan full time, like 150 matches a year. Of course, yeah, yeah. Smaller shows. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does make guest appearance for All Japan or Dragon Gate or other companies. Yes, and always in character. Yeah. So there's this type of wrestler that will probably pretty much look the same, you know, forever. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. And also, well, we can't forget that that the, we talked about 1996 uh, New Japan's Tokyo Dome card, Great Muta against Hakushi. But there was the Sumo Palace that Michinoku's like Michinoku Pro Wrestling's Tokyo, you know, like a super show at the Sumo Palace. That that was Undertaker against Hakushi in Japan. Yeah, that's big. There was some pretty interesting press before those matches with. And right before the match, when it's before it started, Shinzaki actually went back to New York and got out of grave, and he they videotaped it. 
Yeah, because they buried Hakushi in New York, right? So he has to come back like a zombie, and they they videotaped it. Yeah. And he had the Undertaker's decapitated head, and he brought it to him with in the ring. Right, the tattoo. Oh yeah. So those storyline thing is very careful, you know, carefully produced, much like how great Muta pays attention to little details. So they're similar in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So pretty much you thought that the, this great Muta's final bye-bye, you know, match, Hakushi was the VIP, you know, like a pretty much, you know, most valuable player. He was a very important part of it. Everybody had their, played their role, did it yeah. perfectly. And I mm-hmm. think everybody, I think Darby and Marufuji came off very yeah. interesting and exciting. Mm-hmm. Sting felt like, uh, like almost like the Undertaker. It's kind of invincible. Right, right. That's the same Sting from decades ago, yes. And Sting and Great Muta, Okeji Muto, had their history in Japan and America. Yeah. Mm. And the post-match promo, Sting was saying, this man made me better. Like the right. WCW in the days. Yeah, because they, they worked around horn, all the house shows, single match, night after night. And uh, they really better each other, I think. Yeah. So I think that's a good account of what Jinsei Sanjaki's career has been like. Although, you know what we didn't talk about? We probably should. When Shinzaki and Hayabusa showed up in ECW. Right, right. Hayabusa and Shinzaki Jinsei against Sabu and RVD then. That's right. right. Heatwave 1998. Dayton, Ohio, was it? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, because they drove from Michigan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. yeah that they... was a reintroduction of Hakushi to the American audience. Smaller audience, but... Right. And Hayabusa and Hakushi together, they worked all Japan pro wrestling, like, mm. almost, uh, like a real tag team tournament. And also they were the all Asian tag team champions. They... You know, during this real world tag team tournament in December, the traditional All Japan tag team tournament, they had matches against people like Stan Hansen, Terry Gordy, Steve Williams, Misawa Kobashi. Yeah. yeah. So they went through that too. Everybody. They had a kind of hot time in 1997. And in 1998, they traveled to the States. But he was never signed with All Japan that he wanted to be a Michinoku guy working (laughs) gig shows. So brought the uh, thunder back to hometown too, because he was on network TV every week for that time period. Yeah, he was a big very... attraction type wrestler. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the fantasy character mm-hmm. never, you know, like a brave character. You know, as, I mean, as long as he's in the wrestling building, he just stays in character. That pretty much that the never lose it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's like a statue almost. Yeah. He's like a, you know, unmovable statue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And all his wrestling moves are original. You know, that uh, it's not Keiji Muto's leg sweep dragon screw. It's like a opposite, you know, direction. Yes. You know yeah. And uh, not the camel crutch, he got it from the Sheik and Sabu, but he does it like a, you know, that uh, Goku, Goku Gatame that's uh, made it into his own form. 
and uh, this, he does this a backward pelle kick too. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all kind of twisted differently and made it, you know, make it into like original move. He's very careful about that too. Walking the ropes and right. Flying it shoulder was tackle a lot during this WWE uh, days because only person he walks on the rope was Undertaker, so he didn't mm-hmm. do that in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he worked Jan Baba's tag team, uh, the only one Tokyo Dome card Jan Baba had, he was in the six man tag team package with, against Jan Baba, and he walked the rope holding Jan Baba's hand. Ah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was that at the Tokyo Dome show? Yep, yep. Yeah. That was interesting. Yeah. So he worked a lot of big shows, but yeah. stayed being Michinoku person. Yeah. Quite humble. Well, that's just all in all, that's his company too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. So very interesting. It's like a local promoter, producer, and top wrestler, and character, and also entrepreneur. Yeah. And he must have a... a good health and a diet plan too he's uh somebody oh, the way the way he's looking we all should look up to uh, for somebody his age he looks arguably better than he did 30 years ago i mean that was i think really surprising thing to a lot of people how he looked uh, and how he also, yeah, i almost forget that the, he gives uh uh that the class at the seniors home you know that uh like a stretching you know like with music Oh wow! Like, yeah, like a nursing home. He goes around nursing home and give class, like a like a yoga kind thing. of. Yeah, classes. Yeah. Wow. The one he created. It really is like a Buddhist priest. Yeah, interesting. We should know more about him. Yeah. I know he's not going to say so. He's too. He's no, too, very humble, huh? Too humble to he, say anything. But he's a pilgrim. He's, <laughs> he's the pilgrim. Yeah, the white angel. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's amazing. Interesting. He lives it. He's the real deal. Yeah. There's that, I think there's something very unique and different about him compared with other wrestlers. There is a different aura about him. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's why I think people like Great Muta really respected him. Hmm. Yeah. He was really a perfect rival for the Great Muta character, huh? Right. It's not for the whole year. You know, the when he becomes Great Muta, it, it takes certain character for a so yeah this meeting is being recorded so uh-huh. he yeah hmm. the Hakushi was great muta's perfect opponent yes so let's let's wrap it up for today because um yeah that, that really does it but um if we want to contact you and have questions or comments okay, where can on we find twitter you? at fumihiko dayo f-u-m-i-h-i-k-o-d-a-y-o fumihiko dayo on twitter or just fumi saito on facebook and on Twitter, I'm at Justin M. Nipper, K-N-I-P-P-E-R. That's it for now. So until next week, Fumi, take it away. So long from Tokyo.